comedian Grace Mulvey. And pop culture obsessive Neve King. Ask the question, what makes a great adaptation? We take a beloved book that has been made into a movie or TV show and do a deep dive into what the production got right or very wrong. From banger soundtracks to dodgy casting, we get into what it takes to make the jump from page to screen. Welcome to The Jump. Welcome to the jump. This episode is going to be sexy. Oh, it's going to be steamy. It's going to be a bit druggy because we're talking about hustlers. Hustlers. And we're asking the very important question. Is it bad when women scan? Neve, can you answer that question? I don't think so. Like my takeaway is it's like it's some kind of graph. We have to graph it because yeah. I think the sexier you are, oh yeah, the the more okay it is to scam. Which is why they picked J Lo. They were like, well, then this woman, like, <laughs> she's the greatest to... antihero ever. No one's gonna hate her. Do you we know? need to win people over to this woman who's incapacitating these people, <laughs> yeah. robbing them blind. Who is the sexiest woman alive? Yeah, yeah, J Lo. She gets away with it. She yeah. does it with flair. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about hustlers today, talking about the film, but also we're going to touch a little bit on the source material. This is the first episode where we're not actually—it's not an adaptation from a book; it's from an article. Um, and what I find so interesting straight away about the article before we go into it is that it was not the longest article. Like I, no. was, I thought it was going to be one of those long reads. So I got ready to sit down. I had my mug of tea yeah. and my granny slippers and I was like ready to read. And I was like, oh, about 20 minutes later, I was done. It, was, yeah. it really is quite a short story, but it's really well written. Snappy. Yeah, and you can see how it was adapted. So Hustlers, the um, film, was a, is a um, 2019 crime comedy drama film written and directed by Lorraine Scarafaria. But it's based on the New York Magazine's 2015 article, The Hustlers at Scores, by Jessica Pressler. Okay. Now, The Hustlers at Scores, which was, I think, referencing one particular... It's uh, one particular strip, strip club, club. Okay. Scores. I think it was a big strip club in Manhattan at yeah. the time. Like, like, big as in, like, very well-renowned. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what it follows, the story follows a crew of New York strippers who begin to steal money by drugging stock traders and CEOs who visit their club. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm laughing even reading it. <laughs> These poor men. Yeah. Um, you're, then, like, you're like one of the cops. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great montage of the I guess cops. you liked it. <laughs> you kept going back. Well, uh, what they would do is they would run up their credit cards after they were drugging them, okay? Yeah. Now, <laughs> when I think about it, the article, what I found so interesting about it uh, is that not only is it, like, like you know, very well adapted into this film, but, like, it's a very short article, but the women who are interviewed, the, the strippers themselves, mm. the con women, they're very honest. They're so, <laughs> so honest. honest. It's such... They're, well, they're so honest about what they've done. Yeah. You know, I think that they're, we'll, we'll probably get into it later. Yeah. I think that there's like a lot of complexity into their part in it or how they see themselves yeah. as, you know, as a, as, and their role within the scam. But they're very honest about what they have done and how they feel about it. <laughs> and, and how little they feel for the men. Like some of the quotes where they're just like, well, they were in there. They know what they were doing. Like it was real. Like there was 100%. very little looking back and feeling bad about it. Maybe on one or two circumstances. But almost they were so truthful to the point where I'm like, stop talking to this woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
stop talking is to the journalist. Like a trial going on or something? The trial, they hadn't even been sentenced. Yeah. And they were just like, yep, I did it. And I blame her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Stop talking. Um, but also, thank you for talking because it made this amazing film. Um, but it was interesting that Jessica Presser, this is uh, taken from an interview she did with digboston.com, which I'm not going to lie. I was really like, this is made up. But no, apparently it's just, she's from Boston. She okay. was happy to do an interview with a kind of like this random website. And it was, I found it was very hard to get any information from Jessica Pressler about the time she spent interviewing yeah. um, the strippers and stuff. Because I was like, there was so much where it was like, the difference between the film and the and the real life. And I'm like, yeah, but like, what about the journalist herself was then played by Julia Stiles in the film. So she herself is in it's the film. It's a presence in the film. Yeah. So and I find it weird that she, there was no like, what's your opinion of any of this? Yeah. And I think that um, I, we talked a little bit about this actually before we started recording. Jessica Presser herself is quite a well-known journalist. Mm -hmm. She's quite well-known for doing these long pieces. Um, the one that we mentioned yeah. earlier, the famous one. She was the person who originally wrote that long, I think it's, I think it's New York Mag again. That long-form yep. article about Anna Delvey. Another yes. amazing scamster. And later developed uh, into Inventing Anna, yeah. released on Netflix, which I have many opinions about, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> Listen, another time. <laughs> um, you know, she really is attracted to these kind of pieces. She does a lot of celebrity, like, yeah. long-form pieces where she really sti sticks with a person for a long time, really gets to know them. That's kind of what she's known for. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would have been really interested to see, like, what how what attracted her to the story and, yeah, her opinion on it. Because I think from reading it... Okay, so my inclination is that she's, <laughs> like us, kind of fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, she's very non-judgmental and actually yeah. kind of does admit she likes these women. Yeah. Like, she isn't, you know... But yeah, so she says she... I, um, I, Unfortunately, I can't remember her the the real woman's name. But by the end of it, they're still talking. Yeah, right. Like they're still. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's very likable. But of course they are. Like this is their job to be likable, right? Literally, yeah, their yeah, job yeah, is yeah. like they're entertainers. Like that's. But I think also, uh, well, I'll read you a quote later. But I think also, like you know, she spent hours with them on the phone. Yeah. So I think there is a weird thing where you can't help but like these people. Yeah. But she does find like the way they kind of think about particularly sex work. Yeah. Like they are real judgmental about sex work. They do so, not like yeah. prostitutes. <laughs> They're like, we would never do that. But then also, and this little spoiler alert that's not shown in the film, they did hire prostitutes yeah. as part of their ring yeah. to perform sexual acts that they themselves wouldn't do, but yeah. are really judgmental about it as well. So it's a really weird sort of, I think maybe, I don't know if that would change now, but maybe it was of its time because yeah. we're talking about a certain like 2007, 2008 and going on to like 2014. But it is also a really nice insight into like the the layers within certain communities. Like there yeah. isn't like yeah. a sense of like, oh, well, we're all like in one community where we do this work that is traditionally yeah. considered demeaning and there's like solidarity there. There isn't. And I think that that feeds back into the into the article and the film and the message about this piece is that there is a bit of like a doggy dog world you're yeah. in for yourself and yeah. at the same time what can you do like you have to be like that a little bit yeah. right like that you're in a tough position this yeah. is what the result of being in that tough position so well just to talk go back to jessica pressler in digboston.com <laughs> <laughs> to quote of how she kind of came across to start the article in the first place she said it was a, it was a kind of strange set of circumstances that brought her to i'm paraphrasing here to uh, to write the article 
um, she said, before I had written a story about a woman who had been a dancer at Scores, mm -hmm. she ended up marrying one of her customers, an accountant. Love that. And was he, <laughs> but he was, him. he was later arrested for running a Ponzi scheme. On brand, I would say. <laughs> that wasn't Jessica. That was me adding that bit. And Jessica said, like, right after the recession, uh, so 2010, 2011, he, he went to jail and she became this single mum who was now living a kind of reverse Cinderella story. She had been rich for a short period of time and then it all went away And when he went to jail. And she was an incredibly thoughtful person. She told me how working at a strip club changed her and made her more materialistic. Working there kind of diverted her attitude and warped her attitude towards men. She thought of them as less, less than human beings. Interesting. Um, so Jessica Presser goes on. So fast forward to 2013 and I'm reading this New York Daily News article and it was my husband's that had found it. A story about a stripper crime ring in which these women had drugged men and stolen money by swiping their credit cards. It reminded me of what um, the other stripper that she had been talking about had said about her attitude towards men. And I saw how that attitude could manifest and wondered about that further. I reached out to the girls. So it's actually all four of the women. She reached out to them. I was interested in hearing more about their perspective and uh, they had felt minimized by the daily news story. So I think she actually kind of pounded, okay. from what I gather, they were annoyed about how they were being portrayed in the press. She comes along and she's like, I want to hear it from your perspective. And uh, they were kind of then happy to um, talk to her about it. So that's yeah. how it kind of came about, which I just thought was really interesting that like, she was smart enough to sort of like, not only remember this woman yeah. um, that she had talked to at scores and, this sort of attitude, but then saw that story and was like, okay, I'm going to talk to these women like people and be like, oh, do you not see these men as human beings? <laughs> Before we go into it as well, the article, there's some quotes that are directly, they take directly from their article and put it into the film. And I just yeah. think it's so brilliant. Like, cause yeah. oh, I just read the article, then watched directly the film. And I was almost like doing that, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like, that bit, that bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God, the quote's there, the quote's there. She said the right thing right there. Um, but anyway, yeah, that is all about the article. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, the article. Like you're right. It's 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 not very long. It's no. quite short, but it's so entertaining. Oh, it's so, it's such a fun read. If anything, think, you want it to be longer because yeah, you're 100%. like, I need to I need to know everything about these women. Exactly, yeah. and I think that it is, and obviously was like just like ripe for someone to like dive in and really kind of rip that story open. But she said she wrote it. She said she wrote it. Hadn't even yet published it. And was like, I think Adam. Kay would like this, you know, the really <laughs> no famous way. producer and like work, like good friend of Will Ferrell. I just thought she was like, I just knew his like, you know, no like way, way he so thought. And then she just sent it to him. Now I'm paraphrasing exactly what she said, but that's yeah. what I read. And uh, yeah, she sent it to him and she had already been like, I just know producers are like this. She yeah. sent it to a few producers, they didn't like it. Adam Kay literally was like, oh, let's produce this. <laughs> him and Will Ferrell were like, this should be a film. Like, <laughs> You know, she was like literally an email back and yeah. then like the article exploded once she... Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't yeah. realize that. Um, yeah. So talking a little bit then, obviously Adam McKay, Will Ferrell were involved yep. from the very start. They started shopping around for someone to write the screenplay and it, the screenplay was actually picked up and written by Lorraine Scafaria, um, yeah. who she'd done a few things before. She'd done Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I, heard of I, that I keep hearing it. That's Steve Carell, Steve isn't it? Carell, I keep Karen hearing it's Knightley. meant to be good, but I just, it's kind of one of those things that are like, do you know when you see like, a poster of two actors and you're like, no, thank okay, you. I yeah. never needed Steve Carell and Karen Knightley to be <laughs> <the film> together. <laughs> I actually saw it because I used to have the Cineworld like 
year long pass so I saw fucking everything like if there was a cinema like my friends couldn't do anything I'd be like let's go to the cinema it's free for me um, so that's why I saw that she also did The Meddler with like Susan Sarandon and Rose Byrne so she'd done um, okay yeah she'd written and directed both of those movies they're so different right yeah. from Hustlers like so she wrote the screenplay it was received very well by the production company and she was really like gunning to, to direct yeah. as well she was really obviously attached to the story and wanted had such a clear vision for it the production company were very insistent that they wanted a particular director for this. Oh my god, Martin Scorsese. Fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, fuck off. You're joking me no. that we could have got a Martin Scorsese holsters. We don't need it. I think the holsters we have is pretty good, yeah. but like, it would have been four hours long. <laughs> Would it have would have been, been four, four hours, hours long. Long. They would have got Robert De Niro in it for some fucking reason. <laughs> I would have to watch Robert De Niro on a pole. I don't want that. <laughs> Instead of Jano, they got Robert De Niro and they used that anti-aging technology <laughs> on him and changed his gender. And listen, I'm like, for fuck's sake. Have you seen young Robert De Niro? If they're doing, oh, listen, if they're doing anti-aging. If, 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 <laughs> young Robert De Niro back from the dead. I know Robert De Niro isn't, but like, you know, fine. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I just think that's such an interesting fact because it is, it does feel like a Martin Scorsese yes. story. Yeah. Like it yeah. totally is like so like up his alley. But um, it's women. But so I, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, can't do it. I, what, hey, where's Joe, what's Joe Pesci going to do? <laughs> what is Joe Pesci going to do in this film? We just can't get the angle on the boobs right. I just there's like, not a lot of light tits. What's that? Okay, sorry, um, sorry, sorry, Marty, if you're listening. Yeah, just don't alienate him. Yeah. Um. So that he passed. Yeah. But I do think it is really interesting that that's kind of who they were going for, and like how different the movie would have been. So obviously yeah. we'll get we'll get into this. But how... then also the link of, and I think you're going to mention this. Yeah. Would it be like a Wolf of Wall Street Well, type this of, is what yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because we were, once again, talking before we started recording. And I kind of think of Wolf of Wall Street as a bit of a companion piece yes, to Hustlers. Yeah. It's kind of like two sides of the coin. But the thing about that Martin Scorsese viewpoint that it would have brought, you know, I just think we're not really going to see. <laughs> I just keep what thinking. What did the strippers of... think about this? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. There would have, the the yeah. lead would have been a detective. Like, there's just so much. Do you know what I'm just <laughs> visualizing, though? Is, you know, that scene in Goodfellas where they're walking through, like, the restaurant, the really long fame scene. Yeah. But it's that, but it's strip <laughs> But it's just the women. And it's a man on the stage. And yeah. that man, like, is just, like, created for this story. <laughs> it's Robert De Niro. Walking through that thing <laughs> for 10 minutes. Yeah, it, no, it definitely would have, it, it wouldn't have been from their no. perspective at all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he passed and yeah. thank, Lorraine Scafaria uh, got the job, which was really exciting. She staffed up an almost complete team of women to make this movie. The assistant director, uh, music coordinator, nearly yeah. everyone working on this movie uh, was a woman. However, despite the huge success of the article, despite the interest from Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, mm. so early on, this was an incredibly hard movie to get financing for. You're fucking joking. No. Do you, can you guess why? <laughs> so Man. essentially, uh, the feedback that Scafaria kept getting when she was getting up in front of these boardrooms and kind of pitching this movie was essentially like they were, all the white men in the room were worried about the white men who were getting <laughs> They're like, like, can not at least one woman get murdered? <laughs> that would just make me feel better. 
if it was about a woman getting murdered, then we'd be fine with it. I just thought that was so funny. And she like, um, stop. Yeah, very. Do you know what as well? I wonder some of the financiers, I'm sure would have known a friend of a friend this happened to because this happened to CEOs and stuff. So they would have been like, there's nothing funny. There is nothing entertaining or funny about watching my it's good not friend a joke. not get sexually assaulted, but get financially assaulted. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and one of the things that they kept hearing was like, well, can you make it clear, you know, that it's like, they're, it's the men are bad dudes, you know, like make them, you know, like, so I just thought that was so funny because first of all, the, it, they're just dudes, right? Like yeah. some of them obviously are painted in a certain light. Some of them put across so the board. So they were worried. They were like, you need to make these men look really bad in order yeah. for anyone to be okay with them being drugged. But yeah, okay, that is that is so funny yeah, that that's they, just something she came across. I know, it's so funny. So anyway, they eventually got the green light. Uh, they started making this movie. They made this movie in 29 days. It took 29 Gosh. days to make. Once it happened, it all happened very quickly. It just kind of kicked off and, and came out the same year they, they finished shooting. So... One of the things that I wanted to talk about when we were talking about this, how this movie got adapted, the big thing that I want to start off talking about is the cast. Because as we have mentioned already, the cast is just stacked. It's incredible. Unbelievably stacked. Yeah. Whoever was the casting agent, (laughs) I hope, I hope we're listening (laughs) right now. Because you would have had a hell of a job with Marty. <laughs> to this version, <laughs> you you did well. You did well, my friend. Yeah. I love how uh, Grace has a lot of high hopes for this podcast. <laughs> she keeps addressing who's going to be listening. <laughs> Marty, if you're out there, Marty, if you're listening. So starting off with our lead, Ramona, played by Jennifer Lopez herself. Lorraine Scafaria said that while she was writing, <laughs> the only person she could picture in this role was Jennifer Lopez. And if Jennifer Lopez did not agree to be in this role, she did not want to make the movie. Isn't it so interesting as well? Because in the article, the woman that she's based on is in her 30s and by that point was considered in stripper land over the hill. It's the first time ever I have seen ageism work in a different way where they were like, we got to go with the 50 year old. They're like, amazing. (laughs) What's happening with this film? But you know what I mean? Like, it's the fact that like, now we have unrealistic beauty standards for 50 year olds and I'm delighted with it. Listen, as long as everyone is struggling, I don't want, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, want yeah. anyone to be happy. <laughs> so yeah, so J-Lo read the script and agreed to it straight away. And I just think it is just such a delicious piece of yeah. casting. Yeah. She is so perfect. She's so of the time that yes. this movie is yeah. set in. Yeah. I feel like that's what makes it like so fun yeah. is that she is, there's a scene, um, where I think they're in the car, they're buying a car, her and Constance Wu, who plays Destiny, yes. and Britney Spears' Gimme More comes on. But and Jayla's like, this is my fucking song. And it's just, it's so delicious yeah. to watch her be yeah. in that scene, to be dancing to Britney at a time when they were obviously like... And also her fashion in the film is like uh, this kind of over-the-top fashion, which kind of is a bit of what Jayla went for at a time. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be now, but 100%, like... 100%, but like, like the mean? juicy sweat, oh. sweatsuits. Like that was so Jayla in 2007. Like it's just so perfect. And I will say she is... I cannot... Like it was only when... Because I rewatched it last night. And I was like, there are scenes where she's talking to the... Um, you know... It, and it's... It, again, it's very Martin Scorsese-like the way they do mm. it, where she's talking to the... Um, journalist and it's like the last few bits of the film last few moments of the film she's so authentic in it like I cannot get over how good she is because I will say Jennifer Lopez and some people have some opinions about her acting (laughs) (laughs) but Jennifer Lopez 
is has it been in other films? Okay. Yeah. I will say that. Like I and like as in has been brilliant in some films. Yeah. But like, you know, up and down, like whatever. I never really and to be honest with you, I wouldn't like I can't even almost be too critical of her acting because I, I just don't know if I've ever really noticed her that much in yeah. her acting. We've she, all seen Made of Manhattan. We've all seen, but then I don't know, even Ray Fiennes is sort of odd in that film. This like, you know, <laughs> let's just go into me. It's fresh in my mind. I was about to say, this, I just watched it recently. It's fresh in my mind, so I better not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, this is like, she's so authentic in it. Yeah. I can't, like, there's moments where her and, and Constance Wu were, um, particularly their first scene together, talking and I'm just I cannot get out like I'm yeah. I'm literally like I this like it's a new level of acting for yeah. her and I am devastated like that she never got any kind of accolades for it because I really think she deserves she it. Like, really yeah. deserved it yeah. she's so so good in this and I one thing that really struck me a lot while I was rewatching because I we were saying I've seen Hustlers probably like five times yeah. like it's just something I've watched a lot because it's such a fun movie I yeah. really love watching it Rewatching it for this episode I was so glued to it obviously because I'm yeah. like trying to like pick up details or trying to like really think about it the her physicality in it yeah. i think is so important yeah not only her like the dancing and like all the training that she must have must have gone into mm-hmm. you know being able to do the amazing things that she does while she's dancing either on the pole or otherwise but just shots of her walking through the strip club because she's tall and she's yeah. a little bit broad and there's something about like just really powerful about her physicality yeah. and the fact that she's a little bit older and like her ha- the way they style her hair, she looks like a lion. Like yeah. she looks fierce and like really lion-like. And you can just see that she like owns that world. She knows that world. She's so perfect in it. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved everything to do with that performance and her as Ramona. It's just. I think the, the physicality thing I wanted to bring up as well, because first of all, her character has one of the greatest entrances oh. of all time. Really an entrance <laughs> that is like straight away the moment she enters you know who this person yeah. is and, and and the music Fiona Apple the song that they choose uh, we're going to talk about the music in a minute but like everything works together but I'm going to say something like the amount of times I will watch films and particularly like kind of male orientated films where they're like he worked out 10 times a day to become the fighter right. or like to be in the army to play the SWAT <laughs> team he became a rifle and you're like oh my god it's insane <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, he didn't see his kids for months. <laughs> they don't know what their father's name is. <laughs> and you're like, ah, give him an award. With this, I'm like, there is, because I think it is dancing and because it's pole dancing, I'm like, there isn't the same amount of, hey, yeah. do you know how difficult that dancing 100%. is? Because I know some some people who do pole dancing and I tried it. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> At 25, I wasn't getting up on that pole. Okay, I mean, and I don't care. I don't care at what age Robert De Niro would be. He wouldn't be able to do that pole dancing, okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if a young Robert De Niro was like, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like there's none of the, it really annoyed me because like, she was 50 doing this. And I know, I'm like, not to be ages or anything, but like that is an intense, it's an intense thing for women half her age to be yeah. doing. She did it. She did it in a short amount of time. And she not only pulled it off, like I, I really am like, this is an amazing performance yeah. all over. So it just... Yeah, I just think it's because it's, it's the type of athleticism. It's just not given. It's, it's totally due. undervalued. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that opening scene is just so, her co- the costuming, the hat, her robe, yeah. everything about it is so ridiculously good. Um, there's also a scene added in later on, not added in, but a scene that uh, is featured later on where Ramona is teaching Destiny how to yeah. kind of like some moves on the pole. And, and Destiny's Constance Wu's character, yeah. Yeah. 
and I think that's so important because it shows the physicality yes. right, that goes yeah. into it. And it's got that gorgeous line where Constance Wu or Destiny is saying like, oh, I can't do that. I, I don't have the muscles to do that. And Ramona says, every girl has the muscles to do this. Yeah. And I yeah. love it. It's such a specific call out to exactly yeah. what you're saying, which is like this female art form yeah. that takes unbelievable skill, unbelievable like mastery and like yeah. so much time. Lorraine Scafaria actually said that at times they wanted to shoot it like a sports film. Yes, they want to take right. that approach for it because yeah. of like the amount of physicality that goes yeah. into those kind of scenes, which I think totally comes off. Yeah. Some of the other casting in this, I know that Lopez really is like huge. We've mentioned yeah. Constance Wu's Destiny. Some of the other, because it's such yeah. an ensemble cast of, you know, the, the women who work at the club and then this kind of smaller unit of the women who start out. Yeah. Uh, start out this scam. And I just, in particular, I need to talk about Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. Kiki He's Palmer so funny in this. is nearly the reason that I wanted to ever be on a podcast because <laughs> I need the world to know. I say this all the time. Yeah. I say this every time I see her come up on Instagram, on Twitter, on TV, her Hot Wings interview. I've watched a million times. Kiki Palmer is the most charismatic person in the She's world. so funny. And and this character as well, like I think it's about the balance of her being funny in this. She's funny and believable. Yeah. Like she's not a character that you're like, oh well, she's just a wacky stripper. Like she's a person that you wouldn't know. Yeah. There's a very funny bit where there's a guy, I'm sorry, <laughs> and I, I quote this all the time. And I think his name's Paul, but basically they've drugged Paul, right? But it, it seems to have gone a bit too far. And he's not waking up. She's in the corner, she goes, Come on, but like so Constance with his character is slapping Paul. And he's like, wake up, Paul, wake up, Paul. And she's in the back, she goes, We love you, Paul. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Wake up. We love you, Paul. I love you, Paul. It makes Crocs me laugh is so every funny. time. Yeah. She's so funny. And I, once again, she was someone that was written, like she was in mind when the script was being yeah. written. And um, one call out that Lorraine Scafaria had was that she wanted her to be the character that would make Ramona laugh. Yeah, you know, and I really see yes. that because she's just yeah. like kind of like yeah. obviously they're this kind of family unit almost, yeah. and she's just kind of like the really kind of wise cracking daughter in the midst of this. Yeah, she's so funny in this role, and it's small, like it's it's not a it's huge a very role. Small it's role. Really, really small. Also, that character's boyfriend's name Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> Throughout the whole, throughout the film, it's constantly a running joke that she is, she's engaged to Dragon, Dragon's in prison, she's trying to get Dragon out of prison, she's spending all her money on this lawyer, and then she's like, oh, maybe I'll just buy a ring and he can stay in prison for an extra three weeks. Like, it's so, that, that thread throughout so is so good. Now, the, four, the fourth actress, what's her name? Lily Reinhardt. Who also is brilliant. So funny. Yeah. She has so many really, like, gold moments. She obviously plays this kind of... A little bit more damaged, I think. Mm -hmm. A little bit more fragile character who seems to have ended up here and she doesn't really know how. Uh, but she has this great tick where she pukes when she's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this amazing uh, scene near the end where she's getting arrested. <laughs> and she pukes on the cop who's arresting her. And she goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's Yeah. And she also is another character that almost... <laughs> and I know you know that like that her role could have been a bit one note. It, actually, she really yeah. brings something to it. Yeah, like a real vulnerability. Are, and they really are just rounding out that yeah. four. And that it is like a, a group of four women in the article. Yeah. And that those two characters get little to no attention. Like the yeah. article is really about not their real names, but the, the film characters of Destiny and Ramona. And it's really about those two in what we learned from from Jessica Preser's article. So to round out that group in such a nice way and yeah. to make it feel like such a real force. And we got some gorgeous scenes where they're like celebrating, celebrating their first drugging. Yeah. <laughs> celebrating With their champagne. first scam. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're like dancing around the living room. And it's just so much fun to watch. It's so like much it's fun to watch. 
also the way they introduce the characters. So yeah. Kiki Palmer's character, I can't really even remember how she's introduced, but I know that Lily Reinhardt's character is introduced because she's crying on the floor yeah. because she's gotten her period and she doesn't know how to handle putting in a tampon with the very skimpy outfit. And Ramona shows her how. So immediately again, you get to see Ramona coming in as the mum, yeah. the mum of the group, and she's going to be the baby of the group. Yeah. And so like, without even having to say anything, you get the family dynamic straight away. 100%. Yeah, like it, there's just something where I'm like, and even that, I really love that because again, I'm sorry, but only a female screenwriter and director or female identifying, whichever, would understand the tampon yeah. thing and would be like, and that's not mentioned in the article. That yeah. is something that like would have to be brought in and you're like, yeah, of course. Like so yeah. many of these women are gonna and be like on their period. like a learned experience because they had a lot of uh, strippers working as on set as comfort coordinators as yeah. well. And you know, and just giving generally yeah. tips on what this world is like. One ex-stripper, Cardi B. <sighs> <laughs> so we were gonna... Just touch on the old celebrity cameos. Oh, my <laughs> Cardi, Cardi B, B is an absolute, like, delight in this film. She she's so, so good. natural in it. But she's so, like, not over the top, not like, you're not like one of those people where you're like, oh, please stop talking. Like, as in, like, someone who's just there and you're like, oh, this is really, like, They've, forced. Yeah. She's so natural. She's so naturally funny in it. Yeah. She's like basically herself in interviews, but, like, in this. And she has one of the best lines in the film. Joe... <laughs> Drain the clock, not the cock. <laughs> Drain the clock, not the cock. And she's like, Drain the clock. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah. I got it. It's up here. It's locked in. <laughs> yeah. It's locked in. Um, yeah. She's so so good in this movie. And like she, I think they were approaching her. Jennifer Lopez convinced her to do it. I think she said, Cardi, you know this world. <laughs> and loving, she does. Cardi's from Flair. You yeah. just get Jada convincing. You know Come this on. World. <laughs> Uh, and I love the idea of like Cardi B filming there with like Jennifer Lopez, constant woo, Kiki Palmer, and she's yeah. just looking at them kind of condescendingly. She's like, so, and yeah, she kind of <laughs> is. She's actually really good at it. She's yeah. really like, uh, yeah, she puts them in their place. I, I also enjoy Lizzo being in it. Like, yeah. I really do. She's like so much fun in it. And yeah. like, also just for even body, like, yeah. Disparity, like it's just like it's really good to see her there. She's and playing the flute. She's playing in her the flute, intro. which like it's, it's, again. So great. It, Something about these celebrity cameos, they aren't forced. Like, it's like, there's nothing where I'm like, it's, God bless them, it's not Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones. Like, we're not. <laughs> oh, like, these are, these my are. God. Like, listen, that has to be the worst. The like, worst. it has to we be We should have known worst. where things were going. We should have really, known and Although, known I would now coming. appreciate that we're in this sort of, like, Matrix mind inception thing. If Joe Pesci and Robert <laughs> Now I would really appreciate it. Like, is it almost yeah. being like, Marley, pass this up. Like, <laughs> um, but then, of course, the greatest. Oh, my God. And I'm going to let you introduce the man himself. It's Usher. <laughs> Usher, baby. I just want to call out, my, me and my sister Anna watched this film together the first time. When Usher came on screen. Oh, my God. I've never heard Anna laugh so much in my life. I was crying laughing because it was so perfect. But it was like so the, perfect. It was like it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. Of it walking in. It's even. It's not just that it's Usher, but like Usher's been such like yeah. he's been a part of the public consciousness for so long because he's so wonderful. But two thousand. It's two thousand and seven Usher. Two thousand and seven Usher. Peak has, Usher. Peak Usher. Because he has the hat. He has the jacket. Like that was his oh. uniform. Yeah. And they're playing "Love in This Club" as he walks in, oh. and it just is so. Perfect. And I think yeah. I was reading, I we read a lot of articles to for yeah. this episode. We'll link them in the show notes because they're they're so good. But they said that he actually came in and said he wanted to play another one of his songs for his entrance. He wanted to play oh. Bad Girl. And Lorraine said, 
it really needs to be love in this club, Usher. Uh, we want to make it feel like champagne is flowing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what yeah. love in this club yeah. does. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us nicely then to the music because yes. like, it just shows you that Lorraine's like attention to detail with the music. It was only because, I will say, behind the scenes of this podcast, when <laughs> Eve, you kind of mentioned that you were going to focus in on the music a bit when you were kind of doing yeah. the notes. I don't pay attention to music in films, I'll mm -hmm. be honest. So then when I sat down, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Every, Every song, song means something. Yeah. But it's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> it's, sorry, Neve, I was more thinking like the actual themes of the, of the film. It's, a, it's an absolute fucking buyer. Uh, no. <laughs> like Neve's like, this is the playlist of my dreams. <laughs> No, and, I, and also it also means means stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's it's because I again I'm like I watch films as like a like I write TV shows like that's why yeah. I'm a writer and a comedian. <laughs> this is yeah, Grace's job. This is Grace's job. And yeah, I'll be like big dum dum watching films like this is a good song, good song, big dum dum. Like I'll just listen until this time I was watching. I was like, there's meaning to every song they've chosen. Like it's like it never occurred to me. Yes. Yeah, Ryan Scafaria wrote every scene. Every uh, song that was used was scripted into the movie. So while she was writing the script, she, Very good. you know, every yeah. single song was chosen ahead of time. And while I was doing this research, every song that was being discussed, she would say, we can't make the movie without this song. I'm like, Lorraine, I mean, you need to. At the same time, Do you want to make though, the movie? At the same time, though, Neve. At the same time, she was trying to vitalize these Listen. men. So that she could make them drugs. Listen, so to start off, just like, yeah, getting into the, like the amazing uh, song choices for this film. One thing that I love about it straight off the bat, it is bookended with Janet Jackson. No. Yes. I did not notice that. So it opens up with Janet Jackson's control. Oh my God. It's the first yes. kind of beat that we hear. Is this story is about control, my control. And the that's yeah. the first line. Yeah. In the yeah. song. Yeah. And that's what the movie is about. You know, this is really such yeah. a good, like plopping us right into this world as we're following Constance Wu, uh, Destiny into her first night working at the yeah. strip club where we're getting into the story about control, the control we have over ourselves, the control we have over our mm. lives and the control that we men have over gain, women, men have over mm. women, women have over men mm -hmm. that we tend to gain over the people around us in our circle. Yeah. yeah. And as we get into the story, which I think what Hustlers is ultimately about mm. is this relationship between Ramona and Destiny yeah. and who has control there. You know, yeah. so this is what, um, how she was determined to kick off this movie. And I think it's so perfect. It's telling you right off the bat. And that song cuts out right at the moment that a man beckons her over and says, come give my friend a lap dance. It's really interesting. Like I haven't seen the film. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> that is amazing. Absolutely. It's yeah. just like, so thought through at every moment, yeah. not even like what music is played, but how the music is used. So yeah. important to the overall story. And I just love you, love it so much. The film then ends with Janet Jackson's Miss You So Much. And it plays right over this kind of like credits shot we have of the four girls dancing together, kind of a call back oh. to happier times and they're still yeah. speaking. And it's just like, what a great way yeah. to, you know, like really hold, hold your movie together, right? Yeah. It's like the, the meshes between behind these two songs and how from start to finish, it clearly tells you this is what this movie is about. It's about these characters. It's about their journey together and how they operate with each other and how they've changed each other. Yeah. Right. It's so devastating. It's so devastating. <laughs> Can, I, Can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about to 
cried. I was like, things were happy at one point. I mean, then you've got the Fiona Apple song. Oh, when which J-Lo's is so gorgeous. The, the first time we see J-Lo come on, she's in a hat. She's in the little mm-hmm. um, kind of sparkly jacket. Um, a bolero, one might say. And uh, she gets up, <laughs> <laughs> she gets up <laughs> on the pole. And she, the way she's lit, everything about it. Yeah. But then she said the Fiona Apple song. And I, again, because only because you kind of forced me to listen to the music. <laughs> The lyrics of Fiona Apple song are break a boy just because I can. Yeah. So it's straight away again. You're like, oh, this is what this character's about. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, like getting just, her just, whole yeah. story like straight away behind and her. And her first line, do you know what her first line in the film is? Uh, Ramona's first line, JLo's first line. Doesn't money make you horny? Doesn't money make you horny? Yeah, she's right. And she's so right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she sounds it in such a minxy way yeah, as she's walking. Yeah, it's yeah, a little aside yeah. to yeah. Destiny as she's walking past. It's so fun. Doesn't money make you horny? There's also a really great one that I caught. Um, so when, you know, basically after the recession, everything falls apart in the film and, um, you know, and in real life, that's kind of where the story really begins of, of the con yeah. after the recession hits. But when in the film when Destiny and Ramona haven't seen each other for a long time and Destiny's at a really low point, there's a horrible scene um, which is about kind of like sexual assault and, you know, and Destiny's really low. And then she sees Ramona come in and the song playing when she goes is the club can't handle me right now. <laughs> I mean, the layers, the, the layers. layers. She has control <laughs> over the club now because the club need Ramona so badly for yes. money. I was like, this is killing me I know like I was like that's such a good and because also it just is my time when I was partying the most in my 20s yeah. I was like oh my god <laughs> that song yeah. that's nostalgic yeah that song yeah, yeah, as well. yeah the club can't even have to be right now oh. <laughs> <laughs> another aspect of the music that I think is really remarkable when you're watching it and it really caught me again once again on this rewatch is how much classical music she uses yes. which I think is like such a great touch when they're uh, in their spending sprees and stuff or yeah, they're in like or there's, yeah. yeah there's a few there's a few different times when uh she utilizes yeah this kind of more classical music or even kind of not what you expect this kind of bluesy bluesy music as well so it's a mix of 2007 nostalgia hits mm-hmm. and then this kind of really serious old school mix with classical music uh I think it really grounds the film. It really tells us how seriously the yeah. subject is being taken, right? Because it's it's putting it in line with those Scorsese movies, yes. in my mind. It is aligning Because Scorsese them. uses music really well as well. 100%. Like he, yeah. But on, also kind of like, because for him, it's the violence. Yeah. What they're doing is in a way violent. It is violent. Like what, they're, what they're doing is wrong. But <laughs> what they're, the music they use yeah. at the time, particularly that um, song, and I, you probably are going to say it, but the one, you know, when the men are kind of falling Next, over. Next, Scott Walker. Yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting choice. Yeah. Like that is, there's a, there's a montage where they've, they've grown their circle. Yeah. They've, they're really <laughs> enterprising. They're really yeah. getting a lot of men into the club, mm-hmm. drugging them and stealing their money. And there's this whole montage of men just basically losing control yeah. of themselves completely they were losing bodily yeah. functions they're passing out while the girls continue to party around them it's an amazing sequence it's also so funny it's and so it's set funny. to uh, a song it's a cover by Scott Walker next it's actually I found this out in my research now I didn't just know this yeah. <laughs> but it's actually <laughs> think about the Vietnam War <laughs> layer uh, the so layers. Layers. Listen, I don't I don't know enough about that <laughs> conflict <laughs> to get into that. And the first thing I thought of when I saw Hustle was the Vietnam War. 
what's going on here? But it's this really like bluesy, like Frank Sinatra, yeah. you know, like really smooth, licorice sounding song. Yeah. And it just makes it just really enhances the dark humor of that yes. scene for me. Yeah. Because what they're doing is wrong. Oh, so this is the yeah. first time that I think the audience is really like confronted by the fact that they're assaulting. <laughs> I know. I know I'm so yeah, sorry for laughing yeah, but it's but it's it is like it's it's so ridiculous almost that's so the thing ridiculous. Yeah. and it's just but it's such a humorous scene uh there's a scene where they have a small dog <laughs> they start sharing small dog with uh with ones yeah. um so yeah it's just I love the way that she's mixed all of these pieces together these these pieces of media yeah. one thing you even noticed to kind of round out that yeah. 2007 nostalgia it's not yeah, music the related so the cultural links in the article the there is a link to Howard Stern. So like she kind of grounds it and like this was the time of like strip clubs were really popular even though there was third wave feminism yet there was still Howard Stern and yet yeah. that had become socially acceptable to love his like raunchy humour and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So then it was the merging of that that like strip clubs were you know popular again. In this show in the film what she does is she doesn't use Howard Stern but she uses the Kardashians. So yeah. 2007 <laughs> is kind of the beginning of the Kardashians and you start to see it's not only just it's but it's the materialism. Yeah, it's that sort of like oh we're in this stage of capitalism where it is huge. Like two thousand and seven was right before the crash. Everyone had money. Everyone was spending money. It was all about how you know like what you were wearing. And with the Kardashians, it was probably the most materialistic. 100%. Well, actually, maybe probably not. But like you know, it was pre a lot of like Kim's robbery and stuff where things had to change. But like you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just that kind of like time where you're like oh yeah they became hugely popular, and I'm not blaming the Kardashians for. <laughs> There's a lot that we there's a lot of blame that we could actually lay at their feet. I Kim Kardashian's door, but not this. But um, yeah, I liked that because I was like the mo and it was the first season, and like it's so funny when you see first season I Kim. Know. First season it's Kim, it's gone. So, like it's, the princess is here. Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, that's where we are. It's a yeah. brilliant, it's a very short, short clip they show of someone the TV in the background, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly where I am. Is it like yeah. a little bit sad that we measure our lives in by the Kardashians? Oh, completely, Kardashians. completely. What face does Chloe have? That? <laughs> that's how I measure my life. <laughs> We haven't really talked about like the extreme materialism materialism yeah. in this movie. It's so huge. And once again, I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but I just think that it aligns so perfectly. It really sits almost yeah. in my mind in that like catalog of Scorsese films. My partner actually refers to them as um, capitalism porn. <laughs> and it's, it's so true. true. Like it's like Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, Good yeah. And it's about this kind of like casino. Uh, all casino. Yeah. 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 And it's like, look at these bad people doing these bad things. But isn't money so much fun? <laughs> It's so it much is. fun. Like it no, it, it, and like it again. That's from the article. So yeah. the article really talks about how the strippers were like. I mean, the main uh, woman who's interviewed in it, Rose, who Destiny's kind of based on, talked about how like. And Destiny says it in the film. I was gonna stop at a hundred grand once I had a hundred grand saved, and yeah. then actually that wasn't enough, and that wasn't enough, and like she re and actually the 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 woman, the original woman who was spoken to talked about how like, I'm trying to figure out why I yeah. need so much stuff. What do I need and what do I want? Cause she was like, there was just materialism that built up in me. They make this reference in, in the article about how the Wall Street guys, the reason they act like this, the reason they mm -hmm. come into the club and spend like thousands is because they're so deeply unhappy in their job. And this is the <laughs> only way they can get any sort of stress relief. And then yeah. they hate the women that they're giving this money to and they treat them like shit. Yeah. And the women are like, well, I'm getting your money, I don't care. And so with the women, they hate the way they're being treated, but they go out and they buy nice things. It's like this weird, vicious circle. Yeah. With the Wall Street guys then have spent too much money at the strip club, they need to go back and earn more. 
Same with the, the women who work at the strip club have to go. They spend so much money on bags or whatever. They have to come back. So it's like this weird loop they're both in. And yeah. they make such a good link between Wall Street and the strip club. Yeah. A great montage. Again, they use music for that montage yeah. where it's like they are going from like a trade, like the trading floor to the strip club and just mixing up the deals that are happening in both places. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make one more Scorsese thing because yeah. I love that we're really linking it to Scorsese. <laughs> but there is a bit where there's a, there's a man absolutely drugged out of it trying to get his card out of his wallet. And they, it's like this, this <laughs> link they have where they like, it's too cr- far across the line to take the wallet out of his pocket yeah. themselves. They want him to take it out yeah. and hand it to them because then they feel okay about it. Yeah. And he's fumbling so much. It reminds me so much of the scene with Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, where he's trying to drive the car and get out of the car. And I was like, I was like, this is that scene yeah. where it's. It, and I was like, this is so funny. He has and no control over his yeah. own body. <laughs> and no then, yeah, control. I love that they have like a. Uh, this little code themselves yeah. about like no I can't take it out but once he's taken it but that's out that's what I mean the, the lines and again the lines they have that like this is too far and again you see as the film goes on they just start crossing those lines yeah. which again is mentioned in the article all of the big things that happen or quotes that happen like it's a bit where Destiny says I could have worked on Wall Street oh yeah you know mm-hmm. that's what Rose says in the article and um, there's a bit where uh, Ramona is buying Gucci shoes in the car off like an iPad yeah. like, and she's just waiting for this woman to come down with a pin and in the article that's what Rose said was like the moment she realised when Samantha was doing that she was like I, who's Ramona's based on she was like it really annoyed me because yeah. I thought we're getting this is getting too out of control Yeah, and I was like because I remember that scene very distinctly actually in well, it was such a small scene Yeah, but I was like yeah like you're what are you doing and, I, and it brings me on to one other thing like the materialism I I just feel like the Irish mammy comes out in me and I'm like, would you ever just buy now a nice car that you can pay off, an apartment you can pay off, buy just, in the, save your money. Like it really drives me crazy in con films just all over when they're like, and then we went out and bought a mansion. And I'm like, well, don't buy a mansion. That's stupid. Because obviously this isn't going to work out forever. <laughs> buy a little cabin in the woods. <laughs> make, make your money, save up, buy the house outright and then stop, stop the con. <laughs> Don't buy Gucci shoes. That's stupid. Like, it really pisses me off. Because then they're working in the gap like two days later. (laughs) Now you have these stupid Gucci shoes. Oh, like, yeah, rant over. But that just, listen. (laughs) You know. Grace, you know, they were assaulting people as well. (laughs) I know. Like, I know. I'm sorry. And I'm totally against it. Okay. Totally against that now. Um, But, you know, that, that scene that you're mentioning and, yeah, the... That is also quoted in the article about where they're in the car and buying yeah. shoes, and that's kind of the tipping point for yeah. you know the the relationship. That kind of brings me to one of the last things that I want to talk about. That's really present in the movie, but it's a little bit missing in the article. That's really been enhanced for the movie. Is that the relationship? Yeah, for and sure. is the portrayal of that relationship and what for me this movie is really about? It's yeah. about Ramona and Destiny, but also about the wider circle of women. Uh, that they bring into this con, this yeah. scam with them. And also, Destiny's perception of that relationship and yes. her role in it and her role in the scam. And I think that that's handled so well in the movie. There's a few different things, obviously, there that we want to get into. But to start off with, the inclusion of the Jessica character in the movie is played by Jessica Stiles or Julia Stiles. Yeah. So the, inclu- the inclusion of the reporter to give that layer of narrative and storytelling yeah. and to kind of 
pit Destiny as the narrator and yes. how reliable is she actually in what yeah. she's talking about. So just in how she describes Ramona and how that relationship develops. I also, was really interesting. Because in the article, mm. she is in the article referred to as a self-confessed liar. Yeah. Like, you know, and she was the one who the reporter spoke to the most, yeah. the woman who uh, Destiny is based on. Yeah, yeah, I guess that the only like like sliver of personality that we see of her is that moment where she leans forward and says like, you know, these men, yeah. I don't feel sorry for them. Yeah. Uh, she kind of, it's the only time we see her align herself with the people that she's talking to. But I think that she just really serves as a bridge between these two characters in the timeline that we're in now where there's been a rift between yeah. them that we don't understand yet. And that's because we don't know what Destiny has done yeah. to Ramona. And I think to really understand the magnitude of that, we need to understand first who they were to each other. It's very interesting because there is a bit at the end where they're not speaking. And I'm yeah. like, why aren't they speaking? Like, I know that like, there's a whole thing with the, the trial and mm-hmm. basically Destiny's decide to get a deal and that upset Ramona. But there still isn't enough there that I'm like, what is the worst thing that happened between you? And it's almost like it's not brought up too much, but... Yeah. Like well, I know they're doing in getting the deal. She sold Ramona out. I know. I, I understand that, but I think um, no. I know, and I, I. But Ramona almost like almost forgives her on the spot. Like Ramona's yeah. angry with her, but hugs her, and it doesn't seem like Ramona's character that she wouldn't talk to Destiny ever mm-hmm. again. It almost seems like Destiny is the oh one hundred percent. I yeah, think Destiny is Destiny's the one not talking because I think that in Destiny's mind, she has to turn Ramona into the villain. That's why I think yeah. that all of these scenes that we see of Ramona being aggressive or taking these to things too far we almost have to kind of understand as an exaggeration from destiny's part because we're seeing it through her point of view and to justify her own behavior of selling out this woman who has become a mother to her yeah well here's had to turn her into a villain actually that's so true i never even thought about that because one thing i noticed from the article is rose who destiny is based on is a bit more flighty a bit more almost like even the (laughs) uh, even the journal who, who really seems to get on with her is like i can't tell from one minute to the next, what she if she's telling me is true, yeah. and I kind she of won't like stop talking. To if me. she wants to talk, I do sort of think Constable's character Destiny. I don't know if she's, I don't know if it's the writing, and I don't know if it's the performance, yeah. but I don't get that from her. Yeah, I don't get that sort of real change. And there's a moment in yeah. it where she's like decides to talk about Ramona, uh, like she's like I'm, she's almost like I don't know if I should talk about this anymore. And then yeah. she's like, Oh, Ramona spoke to you. Well, then, and I almost am like, I don't really buy that. Like there's yeah. something about it where I'm like, I don't really. Her character almost seems too placid or nice, yeah. whatever. Yeah, this it's a weird one. And but now that you've t- taken my attention, I'm like, yeah, actually, I am hearing everything from her perspective. Yeah. So obviously, she's going to paint Ramona in a worse light when Ramona, and also in the article, Samantha, the the journalist just mentioned that Ramona's like original kind of mm-hmm. the person she's based on was almost like did have a soft spot for women with a yeah. with a horrible story. And also, I know it's we t- they, they kind of really bring in the friendship thing in the film. But in strip clubs, they do mention that the strippers work together because mm-hmm. they make more money actually when they've band together. Yeah. So it's not this, they actually say, you would think it's a dog eat dog sort of environment, but it's really not. So again, that's like, you have to bring that into the consideration. Yeah, it's, I never thought of it like that actually. Yeah. Would Destiny be lying almost a bit to yeah. make Ramona? Because Ramona just ramp up. It's like she goes from being an angel to suddenly being like. She does. Yeah. And I think that, um, it is interesting that we don't see modern day Ramona until the very end. Yeah. Uh, throughout the 
perspective of the film. And obviously Ramona does yeah. initiate yeah. what the scam. She kicks it yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, I think that she is a product of her environment. Like Ramona's yeah. a hustler. <laughs> yeah. For you know, every sense of the world. Like she is just out here trying like yeah. surviving. Yeah. And she is the queen of this world that she inhabits. And she's trying to keep the people there that she loves going. And she's smart. And she's smart and yeah. she's capable and she's good at these things and she knows what to do. And of course then she would push it and keep it going. For me, Destiny is, you know, we see when she's <laughs> that great scene where she tells Julia Styles, so we were drugging people. <laughs> oh, know, that, like, I mean, that's very funny. Yeah. The, the funny moments yeah. there, like for sure. She, she is as culpable and like the only way that she can like distance herself is by, you know, demonizing Ramona. Um, and then we see this gorgeous scene from Ramona later where she just has nothing but love for destiny and this like really I'm gonna nearly <laughs> cry talking about it because it's motherhood uh, is a mental illness motherhood is a mental illness and like yeah I just want to talk about actually the start of their relationship because I think that the way that they portray it is so beautiful, beautiful. that first scene together and it was just such a moment as well when the film came out that I remember people talking about it where she's like climb into my fur and she oh. Oh, she's like a mother owl and like she's a, like, like draped like her. a goddess oh. like insane and and in the article again because I, I keep bringing back the source material but Rose did say she teamed up with Samantha because yeah. she knew Samantha was so capable and so able to make money yeah. in this the same with Ramona Ramona knows how to work the club and <clears throat> Ramona is just like this mother to her. Yeah, it's so, it's so beautiful. Because some people have said that they see it as kind of a romance. And, you know, I can kind of see that article or I can see that angle. Hmm. For me, it's a mother-daughter relationship, like for yeah. sure. There's even that beautiful scene where they, that you described earlier, set to Florida, where yeah. they reunite and later they go and like speak in a cafe and Destiny's kind of saying, look, I've been through some hard times. And... Ramona cl- grasps both of her hands yes. and at one point she tries Destiny tries to pull away because Ramona, she's the intimacy of it she can't yeah, handle it she can't yeah. handle the intimacy of it and Ramona pulls her back and says it's no so beautiful. don't yeah. do that like stay stay here with me which only a mother actually would do yeah. yes yeah 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 so like every beat of this friendship that I think was we get hints of it obviously in the article but there's no way that you can like delve into it in the same way that and also like listen can. I think this is also the dramatised for the film yeah. and it's what the adaptation does brilliantly Yeah, is that it because it, the, the article can feel a bit hollow I think because it just doesn't have that unity Yeah, because the girls that were and, and actually Jessica Presser did say like you know Samantha at time was trying to keep the group together but there was no way this was the time nearing the trial like I'm yeah. sorry but everyone had to be almost be out for themselves and you know so you you missed that. But if yeah. if she was trying to keep the crew together, at one point the crew must have been together in some way. Yeah. In like you know what I mean? So in a way, this artistic license that they're taking is brilliant one, a brilliant choice to Absolutely. make. Yeah. And it's like, what are they what is the article trying to say about this moment in time? Yeah. And how does the movie enhance on that? And for me, it's that feeling of like they do make a good point of it in the movie when it's like after after Usher came in. And then that financial <laughs> collapse happens. But you remember, like, I yeah. think we talked a little bit about this in the Gone Girl episode. You remember yeah. that time. And it, it was, was, and it was devastating. Scary. Like, it, it, was it was scary. It was so scary. And it, by the way, it was literally like the next day. Like, yeah. it is a thing where one day all of the, like, you had these big Goldman and Sachs or whatever yeah. it was, Lennon and Brothers, I, I don't know, <laughs> like people walking out with wooden boxes <laughs> for some reason, crying on the street. And it was literally like, and I just remember even my dad and everyone just being like, oh, this is this is it. Yeah. This is the big one. Yeah. And it was terrifying for yeah. everyone. Like, so it really was night and day. Um, I also want to mention just really quickly, because I have a note on this, um, because I know we're kind of like going to be finishing up. 
but we mentioned wealth earlier. Um, there's a great scene at Christmas where oh my god, where they're buying each other presents. It's great. There's a mink coat. It's like obviously I'm listen. I'm a vegetarian. I don't love a mink coat. But like my god, I what, love. Was it? <laughs> but there's a designer bag. Oh my god, the Destiny buys Ramona, and it's fucking hideous. And I just have a highlighted in my notes. Why are all designer bags and films hideous? Oh my god, re Sex in the City film. <laughs> The Louis, Vuitton. the Louis Vuitton where what's it Kate Hudson is it not Kate Hudson uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson. Hudson Kate Hudson <laughs> Jennifer Hudson deserved a fucking Oscar for pretending yeah. she liked that oh bag and this was the same where I was like this is I just love idiot. but it's so 2007 it's that they're so stroking I mean, oh. it's, it's so classy <laughs> and the red yeah it's, oh, it's just, it's just so I had great. to mention that before no but I love and I love that you've brought up that Christmas scene because like that Christmas scene gets me quite emotional as well this, all of them together the grandmother the grandmother mm-hmm. the den mother from the club all of the younger women, the kids are there and it's just is that family and that's what that, you know, that's what it's about and that's what it ends up being about is those people who banded together when they had nothing else yeah, and are literally trying to claw their way out of something and then the then greed obviously sets in and like kind of yeah but it also talks about how power yeah and power whatever (laughs) very famous quote that now I can't say power corrupts all (laughs) yeah Absolute power yeah, corrupts. Absolute, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know yourself. I think Bono said it. But um, <laughs> he always says something. But they started taking from people who weren't that rich as yeah. well. Um, they started taking max. They got to the max credit line. So it was like yeah. they were taking 50,000 instead of like doing stuff where before they might have been taking 5,000 here, 5,000 to people with a lot of money who mightn't have noticed that or they yeah. were starting to just do this, get crazier and crazier. Um, and that brings it back then to where we started which is it ultimately ends up about the control yeah and it's the control between their relationship as a duo destiny and arona and then that wider conversation about who has control in these situations and i think it's so well summed up in ramona's quote you know this whole country is a strip club either you're throwing the money or you're doing the dance and which ultimately is more valuable and you never get the answer to that right you never know um she deserved an oscar she deserved the oscar but i just think this movie Nailed so it. a successful adaptation yes so we always like to yep. to finish by saying do we think this adaptation was successful i think it absolutely fucking nailed it it's so oh, unbelievably good i think i've never seen like such a great enrichment of that source material and bringing it to it's like zenith it's so great they it's so the, fun now we got to do the tagline okay <laughs> the tagline <laughs> The tagline of Hustlers, a great tagline. Hustlers, walk all over Wall Street. I. <laughs> I can can't I just say that's the tagline? I thought that that was a tagline that Grace had made up. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the actual oh, who. Yeah. Wrote that. Who writes sorry, the tagline? I, no, I think the writer director at this point was too wrecked and was oh like, my God. I'll get someone else. She was too tired from getting <laughs> all those music licenses. <laughs> I was like, Marty wrote it. <laughs> Marty was like, I want to add one thing. I know the tagline. Before I'm passing on this, but I'll give you the tagline for this. Um, sorry, Marty. Oh my God. That so is so funny. I have two uh, alternative taglines. Let's okay. Hear one is save your money and don't bail out Dragon, <laughs> which is Kiki's. <laughs> They're not great taglines. The second tagline is. <laughs> Hustlers causing unrealistic beauty standards for women over 50. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm going to go at number two. Thank you.
tell your friends about us. It really helps us to continue to make the show even better. If you want to contact us with recommendations on what to cover next, message us on Instagram or TikTok at The Jump Podcast or email us at thejumppodcastx at gmail.com. That's thejumppodcastx at gmail.com.